Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello and welcome to another episode on the New Books Network. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Miranda Melcher, and I'm very pleased to have with me today Dr. Ji-Eun Kerr to tell us all about her book titled Emoji Speak, Communication and Behaviors on Social Media, published by Bloomsbury in 2023. This is a really fascinating book that talks about something I think probably a lot of people, certainly myself included, use very often, emojis. Um, And not just in one place or one type of communication, but really the book looks at a global context across cultures, within cultures, between generations. There's all sorts of things that the book investigates. So Ji-Eun, thank you so much for being with us on the podcast to tell us all about it. Thank you for having having me today. I'm very pleased to be here and tell tell you about the book. Before you start telling us about the fascinating book, though, would you mind introducing yourself a little bit and explaining sort of why you came to write this? Uh, sure. So my name is Jean Kerr and I'm professor of Korean linguistics at University of Oxford. Uh, so yeah, and my sort of background, I'm kind of more... Uh, I was interested in some more theoretical linguistics, but then I also became interested in more its application. And kind of the reason why I became interested in emoji is because um, I, I talk about this in the book too. But my uh, two daughters, I have two daughters, um, uh, now 14, 11, but I was really fascinated the way how my younger one actually uh, learned how to do emoji. I use the word emoji in this book as a noun, but also I coined it as a verbal term. Like, so she, um, I haven't taught her at all how to do emoji, but she, as a baby, she learned uh, how to use emoji and she was able to communicate with the, her auntie in Korea um, it, well, even if she didn't know how to write any word. So I thought it was really fascinating and uh, and was, uh, yeah, that her sort of emoji behavior uh, was the motivation of writing and of this book. And of course, we know that it's not just her, but it's almost everyone um, and more and more people actually speak emoji. So, yeah. Mm. A great motivation. I often find fascinating books come from someone who's just sort of looking around and going, hang on, that's interesting. <laughs> Let me go poke at it. Um, so that part of the kind of preface to the book made a lot of sense to me when I read it. 
But to be honest, I had not thought of this next piece, um, which is the difficulty of writing a book about emojis. Emojis seem so easy to use. And I had never thought about, well, is there copyright for it? How do you put that in a book? So could you tell us a bit about sort of the difficulties you ran into in this area and how you managed it? Mm, this was really interesting because I didn't realize this was an issue. But then also this also maybe, you know, uh, I should have written much more about this part in the book. But when it happened, when I finished my manuscript, so I couldn't really include that part. But uh, so uh, in this book, this uh, book, actually, emoji speak, uh, one of the things that I want to really bring up is that the diversity of it. So it's not, it's beyond the sort of yellow face emoji and the way how people make emoji. And I think in this book, I also uh, use emoji to include the broadly uh, the meme culture too. But I, you know, the diversity was something that really fascinated me. The same emoji, uh, not inter- interpreted uh, uh, globally by all population, individually, all we make different emoji, we interpret differently. And that is something that I, I found really fasc- interesting. So I collected so interesting emoji from all over the place, but then I gave it to my publisher and they were really worried about the copyright. And I realized that in digital world, when we uh, text or when we, you know, uh, make memes and, you know, when we do everything digitally, it's okay. We can, you know, make memes or, you know, the AR augmented reality is basically using somebody else's images and you put another layers and so on. So in actually in our digital lives, we are so used to use this sort of emoji or use other people's uh, image or text and then make my own, my own and interact. But in a physical world, when it sort of uh, comes, to, you know, moves to a physical world. So I'm talking to the publisher and the copy of this book. There were and the different laws. So copyright law, basically, of course, I can totally understand, you know, the artwork. You can't just use other people's artwork, although this is kind of old, uh, used by many people. But uh, I had to about three or four months, uh, actually more, <laughs> uh, struggle uh, with the, the publishers. And the, uh, rightly so, I understand the, their concerns. So I had to work. Uh, we, I had to ask uh, um, different people, different lawyers, uh, intellectual property, IP lawyers. And, was, um, and I had to talk with Google and different. I mean, it's not, you know, what I'm using emoji. Sometimes I'm not even using their um, emoji, but we are. I'm using, you know, uh, some people who uh, made the emoji using their platform. But I had to consult with every single person in this process because of this, you know, the copyright matters. And some people, uh, some companies, uh, like so. Also, I had to uh, be in touch with WeChat and you know, all, uh, Kakao and all global companies. I thought that they would be quite chill. They would. I thought they would be happy to share. Uh, because it's pure, I mean, I'm not making, writing this book to make money. It's, it's you know, it's fairly, you know, academic use. But then I uh, I received the, often uh, the answer, no, <laughs> which surprised me so much. But in a way, what I realized through this process is that the way how we, um, you know, use information or work uh, with images in a digital world is very different to, uh, in the physical world. And the 
the law, the physical word law, copyright law, not necessarily translated into digital words and vice versa. So I found that really interesting. And I'm kind of thinking these days to write a book on this. <laughs> so it was very interesting. But uh, I would say it took so long time. And at the end of it, what I had to do is uh, some of the image, I uh, had a colleague who was a uh, designer. And so I had to work with her. And then some images actually I had to come up with myself and I had to make it. So we had clear rules. In, uh, it, it took a long time, but I learned that the lesson and also interesting point of the digital physical word and physical word to disparity. So it was all after all, the, all very good, but I was very surprised uh, of this copyright issue. And interestingly, the IP lawyers, uh, most of them didn't know what to do. <laughs> so I thought, yeah. Right. Well, I'm I'm glad you wrote about it in the book um, because I certainly had not thought that through. And I think there's going to be a lot of people listening to this going, huh, yeah, you're right. Um, so even that alone, I think, is a really interesting point and contribution. But I'd love to pick up on something else you talk about in the book that you mentioned a little bit already. What counts as an emoji? How do we define it? And how do we think about the word sort of emoji speak as the title? Take us through these definitions. Yeah. So emoji, um, you know, do you can imagine what emoji is like? And of course, there are so many other terms like emojis, um, emoticon, or you know, like memes and so on and so forth. And OED, of course, you know, originally this word, as we all know, that is from Japanese uh, word, uh, kind of loan word from Japanese, and you know, has sort of pictograph like meanings. But this is also really interesting because uh, emoji, emoticon, and, you know, this sort of picture word, pictograph, uh, you know, more like I'm using this as almost overarching terms for universal term that actually uh, competing with letter words. But in a way, um, what this also I found interesting uh, in my research that the way how the word emoji or emoticon or memes in this word used is very different from, um, you know, culture by culture language, you know, and region by region. So, you know, some the exactly same thing uh, we may call emoji, but in Japan, they will call it emoticon and they have different words like, oh, this is emoji, but this is not emoticon. And this was really fascinating. Even the terms is not really kind of, uh, you know, uh, agreed upon. And uh, similarly, um, another project that I'm working on right now is metaverse. The word metaverse, of course, is coined in Snow Crash, but everybody uses differently. So I thought this is another interesting uh, aspect. But then, uh, but in my book, I used emoji as a sort of more like, um, you know, like uh, the original pictograph, more uh, non, uh, the the word, image-based words, almost like image word that can, you know, uh, include the probably meme meme, uh, and different sort of image-based words. And in, in contrast to letter words that we are most used to, and I'm kind of, saying in this book as almost in final chapter that in a way we are so used to human, you know, our civilization, so used to letter words. We do, for example, like academic or what, we do, what do we do? We read the books, we write books, mostly engage with letter words. And in a way this, you know, what happened in the digital advancement in the last two, I say 10, 20 years, made it enable, enable the uh, common people or all of us actually engage much more multimodal way communication. And so in a way, emoji speak, which is quite the similarly from Georgie Wells Newspeak, but I don't have sort of this uh, more cynical um, nuances for the word, but emoji speak, I use the term, coined the term. And of course, in the book, I used emoji also as a noun and verb. But emoji speak is kind of more like 
the uh, speak the communication that is liberated liberated from more letter based communication. We most used to communicate with letter, uh, the verbal communication. But in a way, you know, what human communication much more human, you know, more you know authentic. I think is in our gesture, you know, more like visual communication. And so I use the term emoji speak. Uh, and the word, uh, word emoji as a verb, more like uh, as a word uh, meaning multimodal, multimodal speak. That is kind of different from perhaps just verbal speak. So it can include uh, all kinds of digital engagement as well as physical engagement that's beyond our very much like you know writing speech based communication. Mm. Thank you for taking us through that. I think that's really important to understand kind of what it is that we're talking about, especially when we get into thinking about where these things come from and how people use them. So on the first half of that, um, can you take us through how new emojis are created and what you think this sort of method of creation, what impact this has on how emojis are then used? So, you know, as we know, um, you know, emoji, uh, first of all, in when, you know, like when you think about emoji, first of all, the thing that you kind of, I mean, the, even the cover of my book is all filled with yellow faces. But, you know, can you imagine like smiley yellow face that is something that you may kind of think about this is emoji. But in a way, uh, you know, these emojis, the Apple, Google, uh, all these uh, big companies, and it's very cl- closely related to uh, the um, smartphone and the de- uh, technological developments. Because, of course, in the past, we had a sort of emoji-like things. And the history of emoji or emoticons is, uh, is not uh, so new. But the way how we actually are able to uh, engage with emoji in our daily com- conversation all the time is because uh, it's very much related, linked to uh, the uh, possession of a smartphone. And smartphone, when you do WhatsApp or you know, other social media uh, in, uh, talk, you are given a particular emoji, a set of emojis. And, you know, you, of course, we were able to pick up one or the other. But then as we become more used to this emoji speak, and that because the technology allows us to make our own, we make emoji ourselves all the time. And even um, the, smart, the, the smartphone or tablets allow us to have the app that makes our own emoji. In a way, it's um, it's really linked to our expressive desire. We okay, we are okay with the given emojis, but the more we used to these emojis, we realize that's not enough. Or you know, we want something more new, want to express our feelings better, and this kind of desire, in a way, leads us to make our own emojis. And uh, um, of course, you know, one can say with emojis maybe in the in the past is for many young people, but now, as you know, when we all know that you know, generational gap is less so. So whether you are um, you know young. Um, teens or in my age group or older groups, we all emoji and it becomes very much like something that I think brings the generations together and the way how emojis born, of course uh, uh, you know you can plan it but very very often is I think uh, made uh, very much um, accidentally you know some, somehow I used it and then it becomes famous, uh, becomes popular so it becomes uh, you know popular emoji and so on but also I think the emoji, a particular emojis which I discuss in my book in chapter eight and nine and so on, and four, emoji uh, five, emoji diversity. Actually, some of the emojis also uh, coined the cultural um, 
importance or you know there's some sort of cultural connotation for different regions so it somehow is representative of the cultural region at the same time it expresses you know more individual traits as well so it has huge diversity that uh we it's difficult for to to gen- over, to generalize I think hmm. no thank you thank you for taking us through that um maybe you could tell us about sort of Unicode and the process of creating them there, just to go a little bit further into that example? So yeah, Unicode do, um, I mean, of course, I'm, I think, you know, what I say this now about, you know, the emoji creation and the registration in Unicode, um, somehow this is, I'm talking, you know, 2023 uh, August, but, you know, technology all the time changes. So I don't know whether that will continue or the practice may change. But in a way, as we know, like, you know, this, kind of more like umbrella um, sort of organization, Unicode collects all this uh, and uh, creates, provides more more like general platform, general array of emojis. And it also has application that, you know, for example, let's say the food. If you think about the food in your smartphone and, you know, have some sort of emoji on food, then you can easily say, oh, uh, in the past few years ago, like, well, there's no <laughs> Asian food. <laughs> What's the, you know, this diversity is very limited. And because of these problems, um, you know, Unicode uh, also accepts more diverse food about diverse cultural uh, emojis uh, to the, and get the application and approve it and then put it in the, um, you know, more general uh, platform. However, um, no matter how they try hard, it's very difficult to represent the whole, you know, the culture without, with very much, um, actually, you know, objective way. So there's a kind of problem and it's an inevitable problem to have uh, some sort of universal platform. No matter how they work hard, it's very difficult to have very sort of, uh, you know, objective uh, array of cultural symbols in a way uh, that could satisfy everyone. And the way how, and this is the reason why people go on to their own emoji or make their own VR and then uh, put their own emojis over there. But in a way, also, uh, if we kind of rely on this, almost this, um, you know, universal platform or some, often the problem we find is that it will not actually reflect the culture in a way, um, uh, the uh you know, the diverse could not able to capture the cultural diversity as we uh, face. It could also bring some sort of uh, injustice there. And it, I think, could impact. You, you asked me about impact. So it could uh, bring some sort of uh, negative impact as well, because, oh, it's just like, just look at the food um, emojis. And if the kids, uh, like my, my daughters, look at this emoji, and if they're used to that, then may not really realize that there's other than this, uh, what they, expose the kind of in a way it is good in one sense to, uh, to be able to uh, express and uh, share but then it's also possible that it can kind of limit or narrow down your cultural repertoire so I think it's kind of important that we have more uh, diverse voices that uh, can bring our diverse needs and cultural representation uh, but uh, yeah hmm. Thank you for going a little bit further into that one. I'd love to pick up on um, what you just mentioned, the idea of kind of having a set list of emojis, preset emojis can really have an impact on how people think. And you talk in the book that this impact is not just for children, but also for adults. So could you tell us a bit more about what impact you think sort of a preset list of emojis can have on people's thinking? 
I mean, you know, one sense it's very handy if you kind of, you know, everybody is very busy and you, you want to uh, use a preset emoji because um, I say, I say, okay. I mean, this is kind of example that also I have in, in, in the, in the book, but maybe, you know, if we didn't have emoji before the pre emoji era, if I, if somebody asks you something and you say, okay, and first stop, they wouldn't, they wouldn't cause any problems at all. Like, okay, great, fine. But then nowadays in the emoji era where we are living in, if you got some text message and someone asking you something and you just say, okay, first stop, they, the other person would have been very worried. Is it really, really okay or what's wrong with that? So in a way we are, no matter whether we want or not, uh, not only children, but we also kind of live within this sort of um, preset emoji and we kind of have to use it in a way uh, that's uh, preset. But uh, so what I'm trying to say is it's convenient in a way, but it also has creates a lot of other problems uh, that uh, I just shared. But also, in a way, um, uh, another aspect which I didn't discuss a lot in this book is, um, you know, emoji can be handy, but in a way, in our this big data era where we also live with AI, somehow, you know, our expressive desire, this is kind of the question I had in the book too. Um, does emoji help us to express better? In one sense, yes. But if you can also... Uh, make us to uh, limit it. They can limit our, exp- you know, express expression at, at, in general. Like we don't really know how to express our feelings and so on because we have emojis. So in a way, it's um, kind of a in, you know a difficult relation. It can be. It is helpful, but at the same time, if we over dependent on emoji to express ourselves, uh, that it may you know we may forget how to express. Uh, interact with other people and this is something that you know how young people nowadays really don't want to have some kind of uh, phone phobia you know they find it difficult to engage in a uh, real communication because they are so into this uh, more digital emoji communication so i think there's sort of pros and cons and we can't just say you know have provided black and white view but this is something that we also should be aware of that's where we are living in hmm. very much so Speaking of what we are living in, um, I think this is something that I certainly read this and I was like, oh my God, you're so right. Um, Because of course we do all, many of us use emojis. We don't really think about it, but we're making a lot of decisions when we're using emojis. And we tend to, you know, use them very differently if we're talking to our parents or our grandparents than if we're talking to work colleagues, than if we're talking to friends. Um, There's a lot of different things going into the decision about which emojis to use when. And you helpfully in the book pull a lot of these out and discuss them, both conscious factors and unconscious factors. So could you help us understand what some of the things are that are going through our heads yeah so i mean you know sometimes you know and very you know simple mind we may say emoji speak is easier you know you can just uh, um, choose whatever you know the a smiley face and then easy and you'll make your conversation very easy uh, and it will become an oil of your communication but what i found is it's, it's not exactly the case it's um in a way it you know opens up the diversity and it's very could be very um complex uh complex uh there's a great depth of complexity in it and for example like 
um, what, what I discussed in this book a lot about intercultural communication. Like we talk with, the, of course, in the emoji, in the social media and the digital communication, we do our communication is not bound by the regional language. You can go, you know, cross-culturally, cross, um, um, cross-generation and so on. So in a way, we communicate with different people who sometimes we don't know the identity of that person. But then uh, what I, I mean, you know, it's again, like very individually different. So it's very difficult to generalize. And this is, I think, one of the important things in emoji speak that you can't just say, uh, you know, people speak this way, that way. It's individual difference is huge. But um, uh, found that, for example, like, you know, uh, in Asian context, um, the the, gen, uh, the age or the hierarchy really mattered, um, just as in the verbal communication, whereas in uh, sort of Western context or, you know, um, in uh, European context, uh, the, the hierarchy meant less. So that, that was one thing I found very interesting, like in, in the... Um, did you, you know, like in Asia, did even the emoji speak, you have to be really careful whether you, I mean, I was looking at the group chat of 20 plus people, students, but their behavior totally changed to whether uh, they had the teacher uh, in the group or not, <laughs> things like that. So in a way, you know, there's great uh, diversity, but also that like seniority and so on with many where we have a sort of Asian, uh, Asian um communication whereas actually in western communication could do that sort of hierarchy meant less and this is also reflected in language too but um, then when the two groups are mixed together and intercultural communication that's something that one has to be very careful and not to offend and also even within the same european context there was some difference and uh, the regional difference and cultural difference example like using how you know heart uh, to the same gender person or not and what kind of color of the heart a blue heart a red heart what does it mean and it could you know create some kind of misunderstanding too so uh, I talk about in the book of safe emoji and you know some unsafe emojis but in a way uh, so it's to choose the right emoji is a complex matter. And uh, in a way, you even if you are communicating with sort of um, mobile, um, uh, in your digital media where you can people cannot see you, you need to be kind of careful. And it's kind of courtesy to and respect for the other person and their culture. But it's a complex matter. And but I, what I found kind of, um, you know, the important factor within uh, most important factor in this um digital communication using emoji in this, uh, between Asia and non-Asian context was the hierarchy, social hierarchy, and it, the way how it played in emoji realization. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know about you, but I'm very busy and I don't have a lot of time to cook. That's why I subscribe to Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. These are two-minute meals. Factor meals are ready to eat in heat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. They're flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math, and this is important. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash NBN50 and use code NBN50 to get 50% off. That's code NBN50 at factormeals.com 
slash NBN50 to get 50% off. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. One obvious aspect of hierarchy is age. Um, and this is a really fascinating one because I think in a lot of cultures, there's already differences in communication between older people and younger people. Um, and obviously emoji adds kind of a whole new aspect to it, especially if we're thinking about things like memes that rely on shared sort of cultural reference points. Um, so what impact do you think the use of emojis has on intergenerational communication within like technically the same national culture, the same language, but really quite a lot of difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think uh, actually um, emoji using memes, um, also the, the responses I had was very, you know, it's mixed. So um, in a way, you know, some people, I interviewed one person who was like um, sort of, um, um, he was a Korean man, um, uh, mid-50s, and uh, he uh, he got really fascinated. He was so happy to receive the emoji, uh, you know, uh, kind of uh, from his um, uh, his um, junior person sending him emoji. He found it very much like, you know, uh, uh, happy, and, you know, he felt really, um, really excited about this. So, you know, he really liked it. But then, on the other hand, <laughs> so... Uh, it was actually, I, I interviewed my mom, but uh, in the case that she found she's in her mid-70s, she found it very kind of uh, disturbing to receive emoji. And she was saying to me, how dare this person send her emoji where she could have just to phone her up. So I thought, you know, response is whole different. And so it's, again, like something that you can't, you know, really... Uh, generalized, uh, even like based on age, the, the, the responses are very different. But I think on the whole, like the emoji, you know, because of probably this smiley or cute character, this, you know, more accessibility than uh, um, maybe, you know, you could have sent uh, other things like, you know, more like letter oriented greetings and so on. It still, it can bring more formality. Whereas if you kind of approach or, you know, with talk with someone who you don't know, with emojis, I think in general, people find it more accessible and it kind of lowers the barriers uh, that exist between different generations. So I think it's uh, on the whole positive, but still I think it's something that you have to really care for um, and to be respected, uh, to respect the other person, the way how, you know, for example, like some people, if the person doesn't like that culture at all, then, you know, you have to, uh, you have to be careful. Uh, you have to basically uh, test, um, uh, to you know, you, you have to basically find out uh, the, what is a suitable method. But in in general, I think it's because of the imagininess, you know, the approaching or communicating with emoji images, emoji word or image word actually makes them to be more access, accessible. So I think it's positive for intergenerational communication. Hmm. That's encouraging. Thank you for sharing that. Um, the book had so many fascinating examples within different cultures and especially across different cultures. How, as you said at the beginning, right, your daughter can communicate with people using emoji, even if they don't speak the same language. Um, 
But one thing I was fascinated by, you know, that those sorts of examples imply that, you know, a smiley face means the same thing in different languages. Turns out in the book, actually not so much. There were some really interesting examples of the same emoji meaning something different in different places, sometimes really quite different. So would you mind taking us through one or two examples of an instance where the meaning is quite different across places? Yes, I, I will. I mean, it was quite, uh, it was a shame that I, I had such a good examples from WeChat, but then WeChat didn't want me to use the images that I couldn't use these images. But in a way, you know, like, just even um, very, very simple, the smiley um, image, uh, you know, emoji that we all know that, you know, way, you know, it's all, I thought it's all good, everybody happy. And, you know, if you send it to each other, it means that oh, I'm good, you're good. That sort of image, you know, it's, it, it's kind of oil of the communication. Uh, that's what I, I thought before. But then throughout the project, I realized that that's exactly not the case. I had a really interesting um, uh, uh workshop um, on emoji speak last year and I had about 20 people who all sort of um, who participate and most of them in their 20s and I realized that most of all most of them almost all of them this uh, emoji you know smile emoji doesn't mean you know happy every, everyone is uh, you know every everything is going well but it's kind of rather considered, rather interpreted as something more sarcastic. But also what is important is that, you know, even if they kind of understood it in a more sarcastic uh, meaning, it really depends on the context where they use. For example, like if they use it with me, that means probably non-sarcastic, it's just like happy, happy emoji. But if they used it within the group, uh, sending a smiley to each other, that means that's a sarcastic. So in a way, same image, same emoji, same people, but the way how they interpret and use the meanings really differ based on who they use, which context, which means that register variation is much huge, hugely different and complex than ever before. But I realized that, you know, like simply if you ask people, what do you think this means? What they really think in their mind is that, oh, this is all sarcastic. If they send it to each other, it means sarcastic. But if they send it to their parents, that's not really sarcastic. So in a way, there's a lot of, you know, the nuances uh, that are perhaps not known to everyone. So it also shows us kind of the future of a language. The, given that emoji and meme will be the part of our important part of our language, so simply how how many times when you think about all your uh, text messages each day, how many times you use emojis? It's so huge. It, if you think about that um, sort of number, it will shows us that you know uh, to realize how complex and the nuanced our communication will be. And in a way, in the future, what you think about emojis easy, well, actually. It will, may end up most difficult part of interpretation in our communication. <laughs> well, in fact, it's beginning to happen, right? As you said, we're using emojis so often that interpreting them in the real world is starting to become not just are you being sarcastic, but there's some really stark real world implications, for example, in legal cases. So would you mind telling us about this? Yes, there are some you know, examples that I talk about in this book uh, about, you know, emoji. So, you know, like there are some emoji, for example, like, um, you know, like guns or like some sort of um, uh, kind of weapon emoji and, you know, some emoji that I, you know, exist but, uh, you know, kind of really sensitive or, you know, somehow more to do with the uh, sexual harassment. These emojis, uh, I think, uh, 
it's very difficult to uh, interpret this emoji or to think about the weight of this emoji. Emoji in general, you know, like because of this almost like manga-like, uh, cartoon-like nature uh, embedded, uh, people can easily say, well, this, I, I used it, it's emoji um, um, for fun. And, and if you, I didn't mean it. I mean, I kind of think about this word, this phrase. I didn't mean it. It was just emoji. You can always defend it in the way that, you know, it was just emoji. I didn't mean it. It was just a fun. And then you can kind of uh, 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 defend yourself. But then in few cases that I discuss in the book, actually, they had, um, the, it, it had a real legal implication. And so I was in effect. But in a way, there are so many cases that, uh, when you know, I'm sure that it will be more in the case in the court from now on, given that our communication mostly happens in through the social media or in digital realm. So we really need to find out the best way to interpret, translate these emojis. But often emoji you can hide, saying, "Oh, this was just fun," or you know, "This was just uh, I didn't mean it," and, and things like that. So in a way, it's really um, uh, important uh, how we kind of weigh the emoji, uh, you know, or the memes, uh, whether and how we interpret them and how we uh, kind of weigh them or uh, whether we kind of treat them same as uh, as Barbara was or not. And I think that's important to think that we all have to think about, you know, whether it does it have the same impact as our Barbara words or not, or if not, why, and so on. So for the cases that are discussed, I was just like a um, few, only a few exceptional cases, but I think there is no like, uh, in a way, in anywhere in the world yet, have some sort of more uh, consi- more systematic legal view on emoji and so on. So I think this is urgently needed for our future. But in a way, um, in order to do that, we also need to understand the, you know, the legal implication or the, the word of verbal and non-verbal actions in physical world, perhaps not uh, directly translatable in digital world. So we need to really understand that, that the two are... Uh, coexisting words, but perhaps not exactly the same. <laughs> so I think that needs more understanding and consensus between practitioners or you know legal professionals and also linguists. Well, any lawyers or theorists listening to this, there you go. That's something for you to work on from this. Um, and because we've now brought in the kind of legal side, the wait, hang on, this is going to become even more of a thing in the future. I'd love to go back to something you mentioned at the beginning, Orwell's new speak. Um, because, of course, emoji speak does sound a little bit like it. So in what ways do you find it effective to compare emoji speak to new speak, especially given what we've now discussed? Mm, yes, I mean, as you know, it was uh, new speak in 1984. It's kind of a combination of new and speak, a simplified version of English language, and uh, kind of supposed to become so reduced so conceptually that it only allow positive discussion of authorities' ideologies and so on. But I, I don't have so sort of much sinister undertone for this um, emoji speak, uh, but in a way it's also a transforma- uh, transformative speak and it's kind of abstract and simplified forms uh, that would also be the dominant form of speak uh, speech uh, across the borders, across languages and regions. And it's something like uh, sort of, um, um, how sh- should I say it? Kind of, you know, it's born, um, of course we had it, as I said, for some time, but I think the impact or the prevalence uh, that we face right now is much more than we expected, and it's almost to competing with the visual. I mean, competing with the lit- letter words or the 
the traditional orthodoxy ways of our communication or uh, our letter-based communication. So it's kind of, in that way, I think it's kind of has some parallel uh, with the Newspeak, that completely new way of communication, communication or speak, but that also uh, impact the almost the whole humanity in a way, but it also breaks the, our tradition of speak or communication before very much, you know, letter-based, uh, verbal, you know, uh, verbal words based, but it kind of opens uh, another multimodal speak and it, uh, you know, breaks the boundaries too. But then we are entering into the unknown. So I think in the, within that symbolic meanings, I think there's some parallel between the two. Hmm. Exciting. Lots of things to think about um, in the future. Uh, you've already given lawyers a whole bunch of things to do uh, after listening to this. And I think anyone listening is probably going to think twice next time they find themselves using an emoji. So that leaves me only with my final question now that you've given us so much to think about. Uh, the book is obviously out now. It's off your desk. So is there anything you might be working on or thinking about next, whether or not it's a book, whether or not it's on this exact topic that you'd like to share with us? Um, I'm actually writing another book right now, actually uh, finishing this manuscript on conver- conversing in the metaverse. So it's kind of, it's more or less, uh, emoji speak was, um, it actually led me to think about the another uh, level, you know, um, communication within the metaverse. Emoji speak all happens you know, more or less uh, in a digital realm that shared uh, platform shared by everyone that, you know, for example, like, you know, you have tweets, uh, Twitter or WhatsApp, or you go kind of social media that we share and then we communicate within that realm. But nowadays actually, and it's not new, uh, the way how we engage in uh, augmented reality or virtual realities, but in a way this opens up very much new ways, new platform where, as completely decentralized and it, it is happening right now. So in a way, in this social media, we are together in the same platform, more centralized platform. But now, uh, in a way, we are complete in a solo space that we don't know where you are in. There's so many, you know, realities that actually non-real, but real to many people. So I'm kind of extending um, the, commu- uh, the themes that I discuss in the book. Uh, sort of into the another another uh, dimension. So this book I'm working on is about the communication patterns within the metaverse. So this uh, also includes some uh, discussion about uh, emoji, but in a way um, I kind of talk about avatar and more like meme culture in the book. Hmm, intriguing. Well, best of luck finishing that off. And while you're working on it, of course, listeners can read the book we've been discussing titled Emoji Speak, Communication and Behaviors on Social Media, published by Bloomsbury. Jiun, thank you so much for being with us on the podcast. Thank you for having me.